Welcome everyone. Thank you for returning to the My Vinyasa Practice Podcast, Heartfelt Consciousness. My name is Michaela, and today we have with us Kara. Kara is peer support team manager as well as a teacher for My Vinyasa Practice. She is also a mother of teens. How fun. Kara, how are you Definitely. today? I'm good. How are you, Michaela? I'm good. Thank you. So let's just jump right into it. So tell me a little bit about what it's like uh, parenting some teens. Um, yeah, where to begin with that? It's, it's quite the journey. So my oldest, I have four. My oldest is 23. Uh, then I have a 21-year-old, a 16-year-old, or an almost 16-year-old, and an almost 13-year-old. They both have birthdays in the next couple of weeks. Um, it's a little strange that my oldest is now older than I was when she was born. Uh, you to think about. So, so I often tell my older two, hey, give your mama some grace. I was still growing up trying to figure out my place in the world too when y'all were little. So yeah, um, yeah, I have homeschooled all four of them all the way through. All the way through? Mm-hmm. Since kindergarten, since preschool, yeah. What? I didn't realize so, it's been that long. Yeah. So my older two, of course, are graduated and the younger two are still in school. But there was a point in time where I had a high schooler, junior higher, an elementary school age and a preschooler all at one time. So that was an exciting stage of life. <laughs> it's a little bit different now that they're older and can can do a lot more independently. Um, I, I came to yoga really during my pregnancy with my 16 year old. That's when I really, truly your second or your third. That's my third, your third. That's when I really fell in love with the practice I had had between her and her older brother, between my older two and my younger two, I had several losses. Hmm. So it was a very stressful, um, vulnerable time for me. Her pregnancy was, and so yoga just really kind of, kind of saved me in that sense then. And I knew then that my purpose was going to involve sharing that and sharing mindfulness and, uh, and just that mind-body integration in some way with my children and with my community. So, yeah. Um, wow. Wow. Okay. So tell me what that looked like for you, mindfulness during that, that pregnancy with your, with your 16 year old, were you just relishing in the experience or what did it look like? I think I was just trying to keep my sanity. Honestly, it was yeah. extremely stressful. Yeah. And, uh, and so that was a way to connect, to find that mindfulness, to, uh, to be in the present moment, to just breathe, yeah. to just bring all those principles together and make it through. Yeah. Wow. Breathe. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Do you have something you wanted to say? I was going to ask you more about homeschooling. Oh, I was just going to say really and truly parenting, homeschooling, parenting in general is really just, it's the perfect environment to put all this mindfulness and yogic principles uh, to work like in the trenches. It really is. So I can imagine. And I feel like it's one of the most important because you're, you're framing and, and creating adults who yeah. need to be in the world, you know, with other people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of reminds me of what Candace was saying. She was like, it's the it's the perfect way to kind of apply all of, she calls it her colors from her color palette instead of tools oh, from her toolbox. So mm-hmm. 
What is that? Oh, that's a great word picture. I love I know, that. Um, isn't it? That is. It really is. Uh, yeah, I think she's right. It is. And I've always said that you learn as much from them as they learn from you. And uh, it really is. Um, it really is the perfect reflect. It's, it's a good way to reflect back to you where you're at on your own path. You really see where you need work, where you've done the work. I, it's just so apparent in what they reflect back to you in all stages, whether young or old. But, but really, I think as they grow into those teen years and adult years, and you really begin to see that coming out in them, the fruit of all that, uh, it just really becomes apparent. So, yeah. So I guess you see it reflected back to you just in their behavior and the way that they show up and you just like kind of see it reflected that way? Yeah, in the way they show up in the world, in the way they interact with me and I interact with them. Okay. Uh, just just all of it. Yeah, definitely. Interesting. So. so I guess it makes total sense, you know, when they're younger, that's going to be probably more physical, less vocal. And as they get older, it's a little more vocal, yeah. less physical. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. And then as they become older, so this may be a tangent, but uh, I welcome all the in, tangents. Uh, <laughs> so in the homeschooling community, there is a really popular model of teaching called classical education. It's really based on uh, the Greek method of education. You may have heard of it. Uh, it's called the grammar, the re you hear grammar, rhetoric, logic stages. Have you heard this? Okay, so the, the grammar stage is the young children like ages zero to six, babies, preschoolers. And of course we think of grammar school. So this is laying the foundation. This is telling them stories, introducing concepts, just exposing them to things. Then, uh, then comes the logic stage, so-called. So this is the understanding stage. This is like say, ages like seven to 10, seven to nine. This is why and how. And so every parent knows this, like that's the why this, why that, why, 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 how, how does this work? You know, uh, where did God come from? Why are there mosquitoes? All these kind of questions, you know? And this is when they begin to have though that analytical thinking, they can kind of begin to process things. Then you hit the rhetoric stage, which is, the wisdom stage that's like ages 10 plus so you're hitting junior high high school teen adult years and this is where the rubber meets the road the application starts to come in they begin to be able to communicate with other people so this is when you really start to see the blossoming and blooming of all that foundation you laid before so it's really kind of cool so the wisdom stage i love that so is this what you used and like implemented when you started homeschooling your kids? Yes, I would say it's, it's, and it's fluid. I mean, these stages kind of bleed into each other and it's not this like rigid regimented thing, but it's kind of a nice framework to help you kind of think about what, what capabilities the kids have, where their mind is and how to, how to approach them. So, yeah. And I bet that's so hard because they're your kids and you get to know them really well. And they all have, you see very clearly their differences in how they learn and what Absolutely. they need to learn. Yeah. 
yeah, How yeah. Hard there is, is no, there is no one side. I had this wonderful idea when my oldest was young, and I decided that I was going to homeschool. That I was going to pick the perfect, like, materials and curriculum, and have it all laid out. And then I was just going to like go through it with her, and then I'd go through it with her brother, and then you know just recycle it. And it has been completely different with every single one of them. I think anyone that has more than one kid, or anyone who has siblings, knows that that that's not how how the world works there has to be individuality there there has to be autonomy there there has to be communication there and that's different for each child and again that's where you bring in these these mindfulness principles and that's where you take your yoga off the mat and apply it to your interactions with your kids i can only imagine also the uh for me there would be so much frustration i think through the process. So the tools of just like, I need to be present and not yeah. lose it. Take a step back. Yes. Yes. Use exactly. my breathing, grounding. So did you teach any of this to your kids as you, as you went along? Did you talk about mindfulness or was it more of like, just like teaching them through your actions, like showing them that yes, you have space to pause and to take a breath. I think early on, a lot of it was just uh, through actions, and then it became more intentional and more put into words the older they got, and the more I became comfortable with being able to express that and and integrate that into my own life, too, because, uh, you know, I didn't always do a really great job of that, but. <laughs> yes, and I mean, that's part of the practice, right? Learning yes, and doing better exactly. when we know better. Mm -hmm. Um. So I'll ask you a little bit of a personal question if you're okay with that. Um, sure. So what did it, what did it look like incorporating yoga with your third pregnancy? And I'm assuming you kept your personal practice into your fourth as well. And mm -hmm. obviously beyond, cause you're here and you teach and all of the great things. Um, so how did that, how do you feel that changed what it looked like with your first two kids versus your second two? how it changed the way I approach things with everything. Yeah. Just, just like, first yeah. 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 Um, oh gosh, where to begin with that is a very different approach in a lot of ways with the first two. I, I wanted to be the good parent I wanted, and I thought I was well-equipped and I was compared to a lot of, I, you know, I read all the books and, uh, you know, knew what I did and didn't want to do. Uh, but I didn't have, I always operated, I was raised in an environment where you didn't necessarily trust your instincts or your body or your heart. It was all your mind and, and what's proper and what's right. So that was a huge, huge shift to begin to tune in to my intuition and the heart and the body. And, and a lot of that came with, um, I mentioned the losses that I had between my second and third. And so that was a really, a time when I realized that I couldn't rely on anything external. You know, these doctors didn't know what was happening. I, I really had to learn to advocate for myself and I really had to tune into myself um, and begin to trust myself. And I think that's, yeah, that's a, that was a huge shift as I began to trust myself instead of trusting what all the experts were telling me should, I should do. And I did that to an extent with the older two. There were things that I knew I wasn't going to do or that I was going to do regardless of what the experts said. But I think it really was brought home to me 
when I began to incorporate yoga into uh, into my life, when that practice became became part of my life, was during that time, and that really changed the way I parented. I bet that's such so beautifully put, um, and I think yeah. a lot of us go through that that shift of oh, I don't have to. I don't have to listen to what they're telling me. Yeah. I can walk my own path and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. And learning to trust that you do know what's best for you. Yes. Because oh. how do you yeah. develop that when you're taught to follow the rules? Doesn't matter what yeah, you think. To, it, matter what everything you care. is, yeah. You follow these external uh, parameters rather than following that internal guidance. And so that's something that. I wanted to communicate to my kids too. So, yeah. How do you, do you just have candid conversations with them about this? Is it something you do when you'll go on your beautiful nature walks? A a lot of the time, yes. Uh, I do with the older, I did this with my oldest and right now I'm doing it with the middle two. We do it together. Uh, We do book discussions. So we read books about mindfulness or about yoga philosophy or about whatever they pick. And, uh, and we go, we try to do it once a week. It's not like super duper structured and just like go have coffee or go get a treat and discuss whatever few chapters we've read in the previous week. And we get off on tangents, but it's just really cool to interact with them and to see how their minds are working and how they're processing and to get to be even to vulnerable with them myself a little bit and tell them, look, I don't know all this either. I'm still figuring it out as I go too. So that's one of my favorite things to do. (laughs) that's such a beautiful thing to do like what a beautiful gift and not only are you building memories but you're getting to learn about them and learn about yourself I'm sure as you sit and listen to them yeah wow yeah Yeah. what are y'all reading right now right now we are reading the four desires by Rod Stryker how is it going Um, is it good it's, it's very good. I, I had already read it myself and I okay. told them, I said, I said, I think this would be great for us to read together um, because it takes those principles of yoga and he kind of translates it, translates it into kind of non-yogic lingo, if you want to put it that way, Yeah. Uh, to where a, a person who's not familiar with all the yogic terms could still read it and understand what he's saying. And it's just laid out some, yeah, definitely layman's terms. Uh, We're not as far into it as I would like, because my son has had performances these last few weeks. I was telling him today, I was like, we haven't had our book discussion in like three weeks. So uh, we'll get back to it soon. But I love the way the book is structured. And I thought it would be good for him as he tries to navigate, you know, he's 21. COVID hit right as right after he graduated. It really has kind of, it kind of knocked his plans out of the water. And so he's, been trying to get his feet on the ground and figure out his direction in this new environment that we have and, and so forth. So I thought it'd be good for him and for the 16 year old too, because it starts out with having you come up with a Dharma statement and then apply these different areas. It, it's just, it's, it's, it's a really cool way to work through. I thought if only someone had, you know, taught me these kind of things when I was that age, but and that is yeah. the work. Oh gosh, yeah. breaking generational cycles. Yes, absolutely. Beautiful. I love that. 
what a tough time to graduate and essentially like step into adulthood as far as in the middle of this yeah yes yeah and and he dances right yeah mm-hmm. I can't yeah, imagine how that affected that yeah yeah I, they went through they went through a long period of time where they couldn't even really perform on stage in front of an audience which is strange but yeah how did he handle all of that has the mindfulness helped it, it has and and he went through a pretty kind of dark period where he just really didn't know what to do with himself yeah he got a job you know um and that's really when the book discuss I I reinstated the book discussion we hadn't done that in a while and I said let's let's get a book and read it together and so we started with Buddha's brain which do you know that book that's on my to read list I haven't read it yet I've heard great things so you know in there that's that's what the book's about mindfulness and meditation and and all of this uh and he really enjoyed it and so then on the next book my my daughter was like well I want to read a book too I wanted to begin reading one with her too and I thought do I have time to read one with her read one with him and he said well why don't we just all three read one together and then he said I said I don't know if this next book you know she's younger I don't know if she's ready for this one and he said well Kendall is pretty mature for her age, mom. Don't tell her I said that. So, (laughs) (laughs) did you just say your little sister's mature for her age? So, but it's been good really to have both of them together. It's been really fun. That is so sweet. I love all of that. That just makes my heart so warm. How sweet. Oh my goodness. Okay. So, and your youngest is about to be 13? Yeah. At the end of this month. How does that feel? (laughs) You have a 13 year old. Yeah. It's a little odd to think that the baby is going to be 13 and that like my youngest child is now a teenager. Makes me feel a little. (laughs) My mom said the same thing. How funny. Oh, you have two of them. I only had seen the one. There's actually three. (laughs) I love, I love, um, 13 puberty what a time to be alive yes and his big sister's how she's like wait a minute my little baby brother is not supposed to be as tall as me and like looking like a teenager and not a little boy and yeah I went through that too I have a younger brother who is 20 um 21 oh my goodness he might be he might be the same age as your son same age as my son yeah um and so when that happened I remember him becoming taller than me and getting muscles and all of these things (laughs) yeah wait a second I'm the older one (laughs) yeah Um, yeah so do you have um one girl and three boys two girls and two boys two girls two girls two boys Mm -hmm. that's just like me and my siblings how I love it I love it okay so remind me the ages again uh 21 uh, 23 21 16, 13, 23, 21, 16, 13. You gave yourself a spread. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. 10 years between the oldest and youngest. Not that I planned it that way, but that is how it worked out. (laughs) And it worked out how it was supposed to. So exactly. Yeah. Oh, so are they, your 13 year old entering high school soon? 
He will be next year. Or, well, he's got one more year before high school, actually. Oh, goodness. How does that change homeschooling? Um, it becomes a lot more self-directed, or at least the way I do it. It becomes a lot more self-directed. Um, okay. And not as hands-on in terms of what I'm doing. I'm not sitting over them and uh, teaching them, per se, like, like in a classroom. Yeah, I'm giving them assignments. Uh, I'm checking their work. I'm having discussions with them about what they're doing. Um, I'm allowing them to make some choices about what they want to study, uh, oh. what books they want to read. That's a big. That's a big thing, and that's a big thing all through parenting. But I think it becomes more and more apparent the older they get is that need for autonomy. Yeah, I bet that's hard. It is, but it's also, I think it's empowering for the children, but I think it's also empowering for the parents to realize that we don't control them. We don't have to control them. They are their own people, their own individual human beings. I never thought about it from that perspective, but that makes a lot of sense. A little bit of it, relief, like I've done my job. Yeah, and everyone wants and needs autonomy, even the youngest child. I mean, if a two-year-old would like to have lots of autonomy, oh but, uh, but we can offer them that even when they're little, you know, do you want these shoes or that shoe? Do you want the red cup or the blue cup? And then that just continues as they get older. Um, there's a book written by Judith Lassiter. You know who Judith Lassiter yes. is, the restorative yoga queen, but she and her husband wrote a book on communication Oh, called What We Say Matters. Oh. And it's based, it's based on the principles of nonviolent communication. And so when she talks about communicating with your children there, and she talks a lot about autonomy um, and realizing that we're really not in control. Uh, children, no matter how young they are, whether they're little, whether they're teenagers, have choices about, especially about their feelings and their thoughts. Uh, we can make them do what we want on the outside sometimes, but they're going to do what they want to on the inside. So that resonates with me because I grew up in an environment where I learned real quick to keep my wants, my needs, my opinions to myself and just be outwardly compliant. But that's not a really congruent or authentic way to live when it comes to what I'm trying to communicate to my practice. And it's not what I want for my kids. So she says the most successful relationships with children are based on recognizing they also have power. And that we want to have power with them, not over them. So that really like resonates that. with me. Yes. Yeah. So what does that look like for you? Like, how does that change? How did you apply um, that? I've tried to apply it in such a way that I, I trust them. And I want them to know that I trust them. But I also am there to guide and teach them. Um, I want them to trust themselves, to learn, like we talked about before, to tune into their bodies, their hearts, their intuition, to make their own wise choices, that I'm not gonna make all the choices for them. I'm not always gonna be there to tell them what to do. They need to know how to internalize that and know how to make those decisions themselves, to make wise choices. Um, that does not mean that I give up my responsibility to protect and guide them. You know, if my three-year-old is in the street and there's a car coming, I'm not gonna to try to 
reason with them and ask them to make a wise choice and come back to me. I'm gonna run into the street and grab them. And with an older child or a teenager, if they're doing something illegal or life-threatening, then I'm gonna exert some, some power or authority over them. And I'm not going to, I, I mean, I'm still gonna use those principles of giving them autonomy, but there are certain situations where you, you're still the parent and you're still responsible to protect them. Uh, but within those parameters, give them what autonomy you can. Give them the opportunity to, to show you that they can make wise choices and to learn how to make wise choices and to allow them to, to even fail and stumble sometimes because otherwise, how else are they ever gonna learn? You have to practice a little bit. I love mm-hmm. that. It is, it's part of the practice, all part of the practice. Yes, we're always in the practice, mm-hmm. even when they're younger. Mm-hmm. We all yeah. were, they just, your kids are more aware of it because they have you to kind of guide them to like right. be aware. How mm-hmm. lovely. What a gift they have in you. Oh, thank you. You're giving them such valuable tools that i like you said, said, I wish that I had learned when I was yeah, that age. Just, yeah. Just a way to approach. It's a, it's a whole different way to approach the world. Um, that I hope I am very imperfectly communicating to them. Uh, You know, they need to see a mom who is not perfect, but is also not a martyr who does everything for them and makes all the choices for them and protects them from everything. Um, I have my own unique dharma, my own gifts to share. Uh, but I also want to set an example, like I said, imperfect though it might be, might be, uh, of how to navigate with authenticity through life, tune into their hearts, their bodies, and live out the fullest expression of themselves. And know that I'm always here to support them, to offer them guidance. You're hitting me in the spot that I, the, you know, the soft spot that everyone has for their mom. You're hitting mm-hmm. me right there. What, how, sorry, I'm trying not to cry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was so great. I mean, it's, there's really no words for it. And I can, I can't wait to hear what they have to say to you as adults, you know, fully formed adults who've like lived a little bit to be like, I wonder if they'll notice like mom gave me great tools. I, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I did get, my, my oldest told me a while back, and you know, I've done a lot of work even in just this last five years, five, six years. Um, and we were talking, she had called me and was talking to me about, about some, pretty, some pretty personal stuff that I probably would have never discussed with my mother. Um, and she said, you know, 23 year old me would not have been having this conversation with five years ago you but you're different now and I know I can talk to you about this and that was very validating to me that I've done some work and that it has been noticed because and and we talked a little more about it I thought we had a really good relationship with when when she was 16 um or 18 or 
25 years, you know, in the, in the last five, six years. And we really did, but still, and she said that she said, well, we did, but it's different now. I can see the difference. I know that I can talk to you now in a different way than I could talk to you five or six years ago. So that was really rewarding to hear. I can imagine. Oh my, I wish one of those moments you could just take and put in a, like a memory chip so you could like play yeah. it over and over play it over and over again hear remember it? what she said yeah. yes like Definitely at night so. when you go to bed just like hear it in your head you can remember mm-hmm. that time <laughs> <laughs> especially when you're having those doubts like remember you are what you're the work you're doing is uh is apparent it's making a difference Again, there's always more work to do, but yes, but that's, what's important, right. Is that they see that, that right. It's okay that there's not like a destination. Yeah. It's a constant, it's a constant, you're you're never done. You never arrive. Yeah. Because you're already here. Exactly. (laughs) So there's nowhere else to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. I, I can't imagine the feeling of her telling you that and being, and and, and just feeling like, yeah. So other people see it. Other people see it. And the most important people who, who need to see it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Oh, pat on the back. (laughs) Not that you need the validation. Right. Right. It's not about kudos for me or validation for me, but it's about that. that The work is working. Though. Yes, exactly. (laughs) That's what I was about. I was about to put it similar terms to that. Yeah. That uh, I'm communicating to them what I'm, what I'm, what I'm trying to communicate to them is getting across Yes, that they're getting, that they're getting it. Yeah. Even if it's not how you want it to be every time, but that's a great time to practice that non-attachment, right? Yeah. Let it show up as it shows up. Right. Right. And it, and it, it does, um, you know, they've all, they've all done yoga. We've done yoga as part of our homeschool. And of course, coming up in dance, they've all been exposed to, they, they've all done yoga. In that context, um, and my oldest works at a school for autistic kids. And she just, um, she just enrolled in our 200 hour and she's going to then move on to our children's certification because she wants to have that in her toolkit or her palette for uh for her work with kids yeah she thinks that's she's really excited I am giddy that is that's goals right there like your daughter is is following in something that means a lot Mm -hmm. to you Mm -hmm. (sighs) yeah yeah and then my son has talked about doing the training too I don't know he's toyed with that idea too yeah so it is it is the practice is um it's working, I guess. It's it's apparent they're, they're getting it. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's what we look for. That's what we build awareness in class for, right? Just being able to stop and compare. Yeah, it is different. Mm-hmm. It is different. Yeah, and it's going to be expressed differently in every person. Yeah, everyone has their own path, but you can see those principles at work exactly. in how in how you interact in the world on and off the mat. Exactly. Yes. I have so many thoughts going through my head right now and I don't know which one to choose and continue on with. 
<laughs> just you're right though because I'm thinking about it and parenting is like you practice all of the things the surrender the non-attachment mm-hmm. the ahimsa yes. the all of the things come into play there yes you have this we, you have this I, I, I don't want to use the word weird but you have this situation where you're stewarding these souls you're you're I don't like to use the term in charge but you're responsible for these for these human beings for these souls but yet you don't own them and you don't control them and uh, they're individuals, they have autonomy, like I said. Uh, so you have to find this balance between being responsible for them, but letting them have that autonomy, letting them be their own individual self, guiding them, but not controlling them and not, um, like you said, not being attached to the outcome. So what does it look like? What does it look like when you complete homeschooling what does a graduation from homeschooling look like I'm kind of veering (laughs) off path but I was thinking like (laughs) there's uh, it 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 depends uh with my oldest we were part of a uh like a homeschool support group and the main reason I actually joined that group was because they did a graduation ceremony they even did they did like homecoming and prom and stuff like that I love that and um And so we did an actual ceremony with her and the way they did it was each, because there's not a whole lot of graduates, each graduate gets a slideshow. So we got to like put together like from baby up to to 18 slideshow. And then her parents get to give a short like speech and then present her with her diploma. So that's what we did with my oldest. Uh, with With my 21 year old, we had just moved here. Okay. And there'd been some, interesting things had gone on with that support group. It made me no longer comfortable being part of it. And plus we'd moved and I didn't want to have to drive back and forth. So we did our own little ceremony here where we invited family and friends and gave him his diploma. And we did, I think, did we do a slideshow? He had a slideshow that he'd done for his senior graduation with the dance company. So we had that. Um, And then, so we just celebrated him that way. And so the next two, I don't know, we'll see. We'll see what, what they want and what that looks like. I had a feeling that you were going to say that because it was just and so he, on theme. He, yeah. And he wasn't that worried about the group anyway, because he wasn't close friends with a lot of the other mm. kids in that group, like his sister had been. So again, mm-hmm. there you go. That's the individual thing. It's not a cookie cutter thing. It's like, what works for you? What would be meaningful to you as you graduate? Yeah. And then that's what we'll do. Yeah. So. I mean, so how do you not lose yourself, like and your individual self, while you're mm-hmm. doing all of this, not only raising kids, but also working and it's tough. It really is. And I think I I I think I think I came close to doing that for a while. Especially when I was in the thick of it with all four of them still at home and all four of them still in school. It's really hard to not begin to just lose yourself in that I don't know if identity is the right word but in that responsibility and that identity Uh, and again that's where the practice comes into play where you bring yourself back um, whether it's on the mat off the mat you come back to that present moment and you come back to yourself and you tune back in and you find yourself and you have to keep returning there over and over and over again because it will keep pulling you out and pulling you all different directions. So that's where the practice really 
hits home and becomes valuable and, and helps you stay. Um, I'm, I lost the word I was going to use. Helps you not get just pulled in so many different directions and lose yourself, honestly, yeah. Especially when I just, I'm, they're so far apart. And like you're saying, you had to like create new curriculum based on the kid because they're different. Yeah. And, and yeah. we can see in public school that it doesn't work well when you give them all the same packaged thing. Right, exactly. And that's, that's one of the reasons that I, that I decided to go down that path, even though I don't know that I knew what I was in for. I knew that I didn't <laughs> like, I didn't like the school district and school system where we lived. Yeah. Um, and my oldest was still pretty young. And I thought, what am I going to do when she gets school age? I don't want her going to those schools. And this is, you know, this is yuck. This is ask. And then I heard a radio show about homeschooling. And it wasn't what I had thought. I thought, oh, I think I could do that. And I really liked that idea that you can tailor it to your child. Uh, I still kind of had this idea that I was going to have one, one framework that would work for any kid I had, but still more individual than, than a classroom situation. So. Absolutely. And more one-on-one <laughs> time. That's what's key. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of it is that, that, um, that connection. Yeah. Being seen, mm-hmm. seen, mm-hmm. heard and connected to. Yeah, exactly. I have so many more questions for you about different topics. And so we're going to have to have you back <laughs> on so I can ask you about them separately. Oh, absolutely. But I'm taking note because I want to, to have you back on. Um, any final yeah, thoughts, feelings you want to share about parenting, mindfulness, yourself, anything at all? Hmm. I think I, I think we hit, I, I mean, like you said, there's so many bunny trails we could go down. We could keep talking about multiple different tangents. Um, I think it boils down to, like I said, whether parenting is your path or not, it is, it's one path to, uh, to put all these principles into practice and to really bring it home in yourself, like I said, you're shaping these individuals, but it's also shaping you. Uh, and like we talked about, it helps you keep that it anchors you, I guess the practice anchors you so that you're able to, to do the work with your family, with your kids, and then still come back to yourself. Um, so I think that's, that, that's the main things. It's about anchoring yourself and letting your kids shape you while you shape them while still not losing yourself in them and not controlling them. So it's this, it's this, it's this beautiful um, integration and connection, but still keeping that autonomy between for yourself and for them. You know what I'm thinking of? That's making me think of the whole idea of us all being connected, just mm-hmm. being independent iterations. Yeah. And it's you said anchor, and my my mind immediately went to like some visualization, like you're an anchor, your kids are an anchor, and you're like teaching them how to be anchors and like moving through the waves of life. So like all of this comes to mind. Yeah, that's a, a great picture. Yeah, it's a beautiful a metaphor picture. from your words. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
Yes, that's beautiful, an anchor. I love that. Thank you so much, Kara, for sharing your wisdom, for sharing oh, your vulnerability, you. your time, your stories, and thank you to your kids inadvertently for, you know, being a part of our, our podcast today. Yes. <laughs> and letting me share little tidbits about them that they may yes. or not, may not appreciate that I share. But <laughs> you know what? It's all in love. We love them exactly. so much. Yes. They, they're part of the MDP, MDP family. Um, Absolutely. Yes. And thank you for holding space for me and letting me ramble. And, oh, uh, that's how these go. There were conversations and I hope that the listeners feel that they were just sitting here with us and yeah, and having a chat. Yeah, that. It has been such a pleasure. I'm so thankful to you yeah. for your time. Um, yes. Yeah, so thank you to the listeners for listening and we'll see you again next week. Ta-ta.